0: interview. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Good Saturday, Saturday morning. This is one of my favorite days of the week. That probably goes back to being a kid when you get off with, from school on Saturday. But this is a, a long holiday weekend. I want to wish everybody a happy Martin Luther King Day. And then we know that the presidential Inauguration kicks off this weekend as well, so uh, uh, it's a lot going on. And again, Happy Martin Luther King Day! I'm 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 so grateful and appreciative for what he and and others during the civil rights and before that movement did that opened doors that I have been able to walk through. So I, I'm truly appreciative for what they did. And I want to thank all of you to uh, welcome you and thank you for tuning in to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday. January the nineteenth can you believe we are like more than halfway through this first month of two thousand and eighteen? Time just gets on by, but it is an absolute joy to have you here with us, and I keep seeing it. our listener base just keeps climbing we're we're in our ninth year and I remember the early years, we had a few listeners, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, and I I, I appreciate you. I can't express it enough how much I genuinely appreciate you. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And again, thank you for your support And don't let, you don't want to let one more day pass. Trust me, this is a, uh, you're going to love this book. You don't want to let another day pass before you pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And what do you get when you buy Love Pour Over Me? You get mystery and romance and friendship, high chase scenes and loads of entertainment and conflict, enough to just keep you turning the pages and wondering what is going to happen next. This powerfully moving book that you can add to your book collection today, you can pick it up at online and offline retailers anywhere, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Google Books, eBookIt, Walmart, etc. And if you don't see it on the shelves, you just ask the clerk for it and they can order it for you because Love, Poor With Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. It is a book you're really, really going to love. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. I always learn something from that, from our guests, so I'm excited about today's interview because this is my first time connecting with this author. And our special guest today is Leslie Sherritt. In addition to being the author of the books Losing Hope, Like Sheep Gone Astray, and Secret Place. Leslie is a mom, a wife, and a therapist. Now, that's a trio. She's also a short story writer, having contributed to anthologies and women's devotionals. She and her beautiful family make their home in Baltimore, Maryland. Leslie has also graduated summa cum laude from the University of Maryland at College Park with a BS in Family Studies. She is a master's in clinical work from the University of Maryland, an accomplished woman. In addition, Leslie has studied writing at John Hopkins University, and I'm absolutely sure that she would love it if you visit her online right now at Leslie J. Sherrod, L E S L I E J S H E R R O D dot W I X dot com forward slash l e s l i e j s h e r r o d and then the number sign that she might have a shorter URL that you can use to to, to connect with her and if so I'll ask her for it. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me, Denise. I'm excited to be here this morning. And I'm so glad you took time out of your day to be here with us. And we're going to give our listeners a treat. A uh, 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 thanks to you, Leslie Sherrod. To begin, is there a shorter URL that people can connect with? You? Yes.
1: Okay. Yes, actually, is just um just my name, Leslie mm-hmm. J. dot com. And um, it will take you right to my website.
0: There we go. Leslie J. Mm-hmm. dot com. That's the one. That's best to remember. All right, to our listeners, Leslie J. Mm-hmm. dot com. You can go over there right now if you're on the internet. Even as you if you if you dive into today's show, you can go over there right now. Check out our website or book search, read a bio, learn more about her, even as you listen to her share even more about herself and her books here on uh, off the show. To begin, Leslie, what what prompted you to study writing and at a, such a uh, a stained university john hopkins university what 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 prompted you to do that well you know i've always loved to write i, I remember being in
1: second grade and having an assignment um where i had to write a paragraph about my best friend and ever since then i've just fell in love with writing it was something that i knew i always wanted to do didn't realize i would actually have a chance to do it and um have it published and at the time that I went to um, Hopkins, I just took two courses there in the writing program, and it really just shaped my mind on how powerful the written word could be and how you could really study it, Almost, I won't say as a science, but just really trying to fine-tune my craft.
2: I'm a Mm -hmm. firm
1: believer that as a writer, you have to just keep studying the craft of it. And and, um, I I know for me, with every work that comes out there, I just want it to be even better than the one before. Uh, That's what's important to me.
0: I appreciate that you you you've you mentioned that early in my career and I'm not sure if this was for you and other off the shelf listeners, whatever you know, our listeners are doing, even if they're not writers and they're in some other form of business or another vocation. But um I, I felt like it would just magically come together and then as I've gotten older I've realized like you said, you have to hone and polish your craft. I don't care what it is you're doing if you create computer code or whatever you do, you have to, or fashion design, you have to keep working at it to, to become better at it. It's not as magical, I don't think, as I once thought it was. It certainly can still be. You know, you can get uh, things that just come to you that are excellent, but it also takes um, focus and concentration and, and, and work. In what ways has studying, writing, And I'm on a, and I want to ask you this, I was at a writer's, conference and somebody asked do you think we should people should take these masters in creative writing uh degree courses and they were kind of either way uh they said in some ways they thought it could it could influence your writing too much and maybe even make it a little stilted and then some people said no they think it was good but I, just based on your experiences in what ways has studying writing at the post secondary level how has it influenced or helped to improve your fiction and nonfiction writing? Okay. I think,
1: well, as I stated, I took two courses. And one thing that I've really noted, um, one, the critique format of working with other writers, because writing can be such a solitary experience. Yes, You put something down on paper and you think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yes. And
0: yes. it's good to have some <laughs> feedback,
1: you know, just yes. to have someone um, outside the circle or just other writers, you know, it's good to have family and friends, but other people who have that bend of writing to them can sometimes help you flesh things out, help you um, just see your own work through other eyes. But you also do have to strike that balance because um, at the end of the day, I I almost think that every writing rule at some point has been broken.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um,
1: You still have to find your own voice and be comfortable enough with it that you that you are able to claim ownership on that final manuscript, that final edit. So it's finding that balance between getting feedback and still telling your story. I think that is really important. And even now, um, uh, you know, I still try to just stay in close contact with – I have some really good writing friends of mine that I know I could shoot something over to them and and they'll give me honest feedback. That's that's so much – there is, it's a very important part of the writing process.
0: Yeah, you know what? You you, uh, you made me chuckle. Again, going back, I've been writing over 30 years, but I can remember, it, it, I don't do it like, I don't even know if I do it much at all now. But in my early years of writing, I just thought everything I wrote was just fabulous. It was just the greatest thing. And I've gone back years later and looked at some of my early writing, and I thought, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought this was wonderful. I'm like, oh, my
3: God, this is awful.
0: So, you it, it you know, I guess the ego gets in the way. And like it does, it just blinds you. And you can't even really see what really is there. So it helps to have other people, like you said, look at it. And they can they can say, and people who are not concerned about guarding your feelings, and they can say, you know, nah, this ain't this working think that is important And then like you said you also want to keep your own voice uh um, right. do do you and this when i when i was researching for your interview leslie i said this could only help her as a writer i'm thinking to myself but do you continue to work as a therapist and how has has studying and working in therapy helped you to develop more intriguing multifaceted engaging believable characters well, I'm fairly new
1: at the therapist game. I'll put that out there. But in the time that I've um, been working as a therapist, I've done it in different settings. I've worked um, in, with uh, a private practice. I've worked with um, a clinic that served um, people from all socioeconomic backgrounds. And right now I'm working in a setting where I'm working mainly with young people who are seeking to um, get their GEDs or going to work study programs. I'm there as a mental health clinician. And I think that one thing that strikes me, whether you're writing, whether you're working as a therapist, is the ability to be able to listen to people, to really hear where they are, to hear what they're saying. And that's a really hard thing to do, to really be present and really be paying attention to what someone's saying. And for me as a writer, that that's important because as I'm – shaping a character as I'm trying to write out what they're going to do, what they're going to say, I really have to listen to that character. And I hope that doesn't sound crazy. (laughs) But I have to really pay attention to the subtle nuances of the character to be able to write out what their story is and for it to be believable and to stay true to who they are. I remember um, in my first novel, Like Sheep Gone Astray, I had an entire chapter that I – ended up removing because I realized that it wasn't true to a character. It's something I wanted her to do, but it was something she never would have done. So just the ability to really be able to listen, to get
0: somebody, that is just so key to um just just to this field overall. You you just answered one of my next questions. <laughs> <laughs> She just one of the next questions. Not this one, but well, the one after this one. I was going to ask, but now I'm not going to. But which did you start writing first? Short stories, devotional essays? Because you do a lot of different types of writing, or novels? Which did you? Oh, start? um, I started actually
1: um writing po- with poetry when I was in oh, okay. high school. I would be sitting in class, and after I'd finished my assignments or whatever, I would just start writing poems. And I had a whole collection. And in my mind, that's all that I wanted to do was just write poems. And my mother just encouraged that um, with me. She would, you know, let me get into contests and do different things. And she always said, one day you need to put your poems in the book. And that is something on my to-do list. and Wow. Yeah. Um, as I started um, college, I fell in love with the short story. I remember taking, even though I majored in family studies, I probably should have just went ahead and majored in English or creative writing because all of my lectures were in English or writing. Wow, it's in so my funny. mind. But I, I remember a professor saying a short story was just a thesis creatively written, and mm. that just struck me, and um, I fell in love with short stories. Um, uh, James Baldwin. Um, Sonny, I can't think of the name oh, of it, but there was certain, yeah, oh. Sonny's Blues, and Ooh. I just fell in love with with short stories. So then that became my focus. I never imagined myself writing a novel, and it and to be honest with you, it wasn't until I had um, written like a chapter or two of my first one that I realized that I was starting a book. It it, wow. it wasn't even something that I was um, necessarily aspiring to. It just mm-hmm. it just started developing on its own. Um, but for me, I I feel like all of those different types of writing, whether it's devotionals or short stories, they all draw something, different parts out of me that I really just, you know, enjoy having that platform to present.
0: Aren't we so multifaceted when you think about all the things that we have the courage to do? You see how endless, limitless, timeless, multifaceted we are. It's just amazing. In uh, mm-hmm. talking about... Like sheep gone astray, your very first novel. Can you tell our listeners here at off the shelf who is Anthony Murdoch? <laughs>
1: Anthony Murdoch. He's a good guy. He is um, very upwardly mobile, professional, and he has come to a point in his life where he believes um, he believes God has a call on him to be a minister, and in so doing, his focus has now changed from pursuing. Um, what he thought would be his career and really pursuing what he believes God has called him to do. And in so doing, he becomes mixed up in a whole big scandal involving money. And it becomes, it really reads like a mystery in that you're not really sure who's behind everything. And he's trying to stay a step of, a step ahead to figure out how he got sucked into this scandal and how to um, just um, be able to deal with it. So, He's married to a woman who is not necessarily in agreement with what he wants to do at this point in his life. Um, so there's some friction, tension with that as well. So um, like I said, a good guy just made some bad decisions in his past that are now coming back to haunt him in a big way.
0: Now he's he starts to change his life based on what you said, and that sounded very interesting to me. He starts to make these changes after he feels like God's calling him to do something.
1: Right, and at the point, um, his wife is not on the same page with him. So, of course, you have this whole entire relationship dynamic that is coming into play. So, um, it, it like I said, it reads somewhat like a mystery because yeah, you're not yeah. really sure who's behind everything, and you find yourself rooting for him. And he, even in the process of um, discovery, he's learning things about himself, about his family, and it challenges, it actually challenges him on who he thinks he is and what it is that he's really striving for. Kind of strips down all the layers of your heart to get to what's really at core,
0: Now he thinks what's really God, motivating you. you. You know, and I was going to say this, when I ask, uh, and I never give guests. I think I might have only done it maybe once when my guests kept pushing or I didn't do it because I've had guests say to me, can you send me the questions in advance? And I'm like, no, the interview is fresher when when I don't, and don't worry. It'll be fine. We get so scared about making mistakes. We get so scared about how other people are going to perceive us. It's fine. It's fine. You don't need to get it in advance. That said, I don't send guests questions in advance, and I'm always intrigued when I ask people to describe a character or to give us a synopsis of their book, how authors are so connected and familiar with their characters. I mean, I don't give out questions in advance, so the author will just write like you did, bam, right off the bat, give a good <laughs> description of their character. They're familiar with their characters. They are close to them, and that's why you're able to do that. Now, you said that there's something. Anthony feels like God is t- telling him to do something. And sometimes we know that that can be God, and sometimes it's just insanity. (laughs) What what causes? What causes Anthony? Is he very religious? What causes him to make a choice, Leslie, that could possibly put him and his entire family at risk? Well, you know, sometimes I see, and I want to. Did not interrupt you, but and is he gullible? Mm -hmm. So that's a two-part question. I don't, I,
1: he strikes me as a man who, once he has really decided to do something, he's going all out with it. And that, that was one of the reasons why he was successful in his field. He he didn't really second-guess himself. But in this particular story, he does begin to second-guess certain aspects of what he's doing just because the costs are high. And, um, you know, when you're at a point in your life where you have to really weigh what you're going to do against the cost of what it is going to cost you. Because a lot of times the passions that are in your heart that you really, you know, your purpose that you're called to do, they tend to come with some level of sacrifice. Yes. And, and it, it, you really have to sit there. See, a lot of times people think about goals and being successful and they think Ooh. of all of the wonderful things that come with it, but very few people think about the cost of success. Oh. There is a cost to it. There's some mm. things that have to be sacrificed. And sometimes it's not always a material thing or financial thing. Sometimes it might be someone in your life. Sometimes it might be something in yourself. You yes. know, we get caught up on the outside things, but there might be some things in you that need to be dealt with, mm. that in order to get to that place of success, something mm. needs to be ripped down in you. and And that's a cost, too. So he's really at a point where, He's looking at his relationship with his wife. He's looking at his own belief system, um, what he, how he defines success, because that's a big thing right there too. And um, like I said, he's found himself in a scandal, and it's a matter of figuring out who's behind it
0: uh-huh. and what is it
1: going to cost
0: for him to be revealed in it. Is he? Is he? Is he gullible? Is he naive? Did he not see any? He just stepped right into it. He didn't. He was blindsided. He is he a naive guy? He, it doesn't sound like he is, but is he? I is don't he think a, he's. I don't think he's naive. I think there was a lot of blindsiding
1: um, that happens in the story.
0: You know, you, things you, you, that
1: just catch him off guard. You know, sometimes you're put in a circumstance and you don't have a chance to really think it through. You have to instantly react.
0: Yeah, and that's
1: you, you, where your character comes out. What do you do when you're in a hot spot and you don't have a time, a chance to think? Who you are is going to come out right at that moment.
0: Yeah, you. Yeah, even though we might not be consciously aware that that something was going on in our subconscious for years, right. but you come. You made a very good point. I think everybody has a dream. I think some of us don't go after our dreams because we know, uh, like the man who buried his talent. It's just going to take too much work, or we know. Um, uh, uh, I'm gonna to have to give up some things to get it. I'll just stay the way I am. I'm I'm just, I'm not gonna pursue it. I'm not gonna go after it. I think some of us know subconsciously. It's just it's it's gonna take a lot. It's gonna take a lot. Even though when we are successful, uh, we look at other people who are successful, the Oprahs, et cetera, We say, oh, it looks so easy. And read about my my of heroine, my heroines, Harriet Tubman and Joan of Arc. It, it it can sound easy, like it's not as hard as you might think. You have no idea how gut-wrenching hard some of that stuff might have been for those folks. But I think the the we all have a dream because in achieving your dream, and, it, you know, as you go after your writing, I know as I've gone after mine, as you go after your dream, you are the one who changes. So it's like your dream is almost a setup
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> to get you to evolve.
3: Right. That that
0: To me, I think the whole process is just getting you to evolve and the way to do it is the dream is like the carrot that keeps you going forward. That that I'm starting to believe that more and more because you're going to have to change to achieve a dream like you said. Now how huh? many children do Anthony and his wife Terry have? And also how different is Terry and Anthony's real behind-the-scenes marriage versus their public, especially while well, a church marriage? but actually
1: um in as the story begins they they do not have any children, and their marriage is well Terry's an interesting woman, and to be honest with you i i, I, I might have been kind of hard on her <laughs> okay her- her character she she is all about appearances, so even within um the church setting where um they're members, you know she has a front going on um the there's a, a older church woman there who's trying to who kind of sees through it and is trying to reach out to it. But behind the scenes, you know, behind closed doors, it's a very different thing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, She wants to put up this front, but um, even her husband kind of knows that, you know, they're not on the same page with things. Um, She has a very different view of what success is, Um, and
0: and it's, it's interrupting their marriage, their definitions of success. Wow. Now, how early in, like, she'd gone astray, before we start talking about Secret Place, how early in, like, she'd gone astray, does Terry discover the scandal Anthony's gotten involved in, and how does she initially respond to her discovery?
1: Well, part of the part of the story is that there's a lot of miscommunication that happens between them. Um, she thinks one thing is going on. He thinks she thinks something else is going on. So, um... At the point that that's going on, there's a lot of uh, they're taking their own different actions based on what they think is happening, which of course makes things better. I mean, worse and not better. So um, that is part of the development of the novel where you're waiting to see, okay, what's going to happen when both of them realize the truth of what the other is doing.
0: Wow, and I think
1: that that happens a lot of times in relationships. Period. A lot of issues kind of boil down to miscommunications. The um. You know, some some someone thinks something else is happening, and or something really hasn't been talked out that clearly. So once that happens, it starts building on. Uh, just it just 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 begins to ex- explode and implode, and however however you want to put it, um, communication is so important to any type of relationship.
0: Yeah, whether it's working, parent, child, marriage, I agree. Now, can you tell us, before we talk about Secret Place next, who are some of the other major and minor characters in, like, Sheep Gone Astray uh, that our off-the-shelf listeners would either love or, you know, have problems with? Can you tell us about some of the other characters in the story, in the book? Sure. So anyone who reads my
1: novels knows that I like a lot of characters. (laughs) I really do. And there's a reason behind that because um, one of my goals is to be able to have a whole cast of characters that hopefully someone will find someone to identify with or they'll remind them of someone, just someone to kind of connect to. Um, I try to have people from all different walks of life, um, different places, different stations. Um, And, all of my books, I would say, for the most part, that that has been true. Um, like Sheep Gone Astray, as I mentioned, there's, you know, some church members. There's um, Anthony has a mentor who he's working with who's um, a, a, a councilman. Um, there's, um, of course, a detective because, like I said, there's some things going on that, you know, are um, really meant to be, you know, to add intrigue and everything to mm-hmm. it. Um, so there's a lot. There's a whole, like, s- scope of um, different characters in the story
0: okay now let, let's talk about secret place how hard has it become for is it chari- charisma mm-hmm. Joel, to keep her secret also how many years has charisma been keeping her secret
1: wow well, um just to backtrack a little bit secret place is really holds a special place for me in my um, heart as a writer, as a therapist, as a family member, because it's dealing with an issue that we don't talk about much, especially in the African-American community, especially in the church community, and that is of uh, mental illness, mental health. Mm. And, um, you know, there's so much stigma, um, there's so much misunderstanding about it that, um, like I said, as a writer, as a therapist, and as a family member, because, that is an issue that has significantly impacted my family in many different ways. And so this main character, Charisma Joel, you know, you ask about how long she's been holding secrets. I don't think there was a time that she wasn't holding a secret.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: Because, you know, it is, as, um, as uh, um people who are dealing with this issue recognize a lot of times it's not just one person in your family it can be multi generational yeah. um, it can kind of come from all different sides, all different angles yeah and if there's stigma and misunderstanding going on, people are very reluctant to get help. they feel like it's something to be ashamed about um so for charisma, she's dealing with it from many different people in her life, and she's she's the the as a character. She's a family member to those who are being afflicted. Um, again, I do like to have a little mystery and intrigue. So for the platform for this story is she's hiding the secret until something happens that puts her whole family in the news. You know, wow. they become the headlines. And at that point, you know, there's no more hiding from it. It's kind of like a worst-case scenario of what happens or what could happen if issues are not addressed. And wow. um, that, that really is kind of the message, um, for lack of a better word, that I hope, well, one of the messages that I hope um, comes out of the story, that it's okay to get help. You don't have to keep things sound because yeah. things can grow out of control.
0: Yeah. You know what, and I, I thank you for writing Secret Place and the message that's in there. I was reading an a interview that Michelle Williams, he's a member of Destiny's Child, she said she had struggled with depression for several years. And she said, you know, we're told... Told, taught, in some communities, just pray about it. And if 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 it's something that your faith should just magically take away, and it's it's strange to me when you say the stigma of mental illness. And once it gets really entrenched, the mentally ill person sometimes thinks everybody else is crazy. Now I don't, well I don't really like that term. So everybody else is mentally imbalanced mm-hmm. except them, They and they, and they refuse all help. But uh uh um. It, it it's odd that when she said that that a lot of us think just just pray about it Jesus will just fix it and take it away and i'm not saying that miracles can happen cuz they certainly do can mm-hmm. but we we'll have that mindset about mental things but mm-hmm. let us get a migraine we'll take a pill right. let exactly. let let us break our leg we'll go to the doctor and get get it get it uh get a cast on it let right. let anything else happen We'll get it fixed. Let some go wrong in the mind, and just it's supposed to miraculously we just supposed to pray about it and fix it. But but let let one of our kids get hit by a car and they break their leg. We'll rush Mm -hmm. rush them to the doctor. But if something's exactly. wrong in the head, no, 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 can't do that. So, yeah, that is a stigma. That is a stigma there. And there's, that's just, I gave you some examples for our listeners where you can see that it is a stigma. Anything happen to us physically, we'll get it fixed. Take a pill, go get surgery, you name it. Something happens in the mind, you're just supposed to pray about it. It's going to be all right, baby. And it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I'm so glad that you're touching on that subject. Can you tell us what... Her family is like. Was 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 Charisma's family like? Well, she she has a pretty small family. Um, you know, it
1: was her and and her mom. Her mom had been someone that she idolized and looked up to. She was a hairdresser. She was. They called her um, Queen Jackson. That was her nickname. Her mother, Queen Jackson. And, yes, <laughs> you know, everyone knew her shop and everything. But um, she, her mother had her own kind of troubled past. And she also um really struggled with depression in uh in a debilitating way, and um that just kind of is was the frame of charisma's um childhood, and even now she's into adulthood, and the relationship with her mother has um become very tense, and a lot of that had to do with charisma's own feelings um her own sense of you know going back to that stigma a feeling like, you know, this was something to be ashamed of. You know, if someone had someone in their family that had diabetes, people don't wouldn't necessarily just be walking around with, oh, you know, I'm ashamed that someone has yeah. diabetes. They would get help. They would do what needs to be done. And one thing, too, that I, I really wanted to, uh, one motivating factor for me in writing Secret Place is, you know, a lot of times we talk about, when when we do talk about mental illness, we talk about it specifically in terms of the person who's going through it, not realizing that that person lives in the context of a family, in the context right. of a community. And we don't think about how that impacts families because it very much can impact Ooh. families. Yeah. The um, the children, the spouses, the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, everyone is impacted. And um, so for Charisma, she has her mother, and then she's, she's married actually to a doctor. Um, she's married to a psychiatrist who has his own set of secrets going on. Now, now is Charisma's
0: um, mother or Charisma?
1: Oh, uh, Charisma.
0: To oh, okay. Charisma is.
1: Yeah. So she's she's married to a doctor, um, and really, the, the a, a big part of the story is dealing with her her husband, um, who suffers with depression, and because he's a doctor, a mental health professional, he really is against getting help. Because he felt like it would be, you know, here he is, the doctor. Why should he have to get help? You know, he he should not even be struggling with this in his mind. And then um, it is, you know, there's the context of the church community. And I I felt like that was important to put in there, you know, for the very reason that you said that, you you know, some people just think, oh, just pray about it and, you know, you're yeah. instantly better. And I'm not saying that that won't happen, of yeah. course. You know, nothing is too hard for God. Exactly. But it's also important to realize that God puts resources out there for you. That very thing you're praying about, you might be missing the answer because yes. you're not just speaking yeah. a resource yeah. that's right in front of you. Yeah. So um, you have that going on as well. And she also has um, a daughter, April. So, you know, th- those are the main family members. Um. Again, I do like to have a lot of characters. So, you know, in Secret Place you have, you know, the, the neighbor next door that's kind of nosy <laughs> that <laughs> wants, you know, trying to figure out what's going on but has her own little family secrets going on as well. Okay. Um, You have the person that, and see, I, I should say, Charisma's at the point where she's, just disgusted with the, the, the way things have been going in her life, the way that mental illness has impacted her. She's been praying about it, hasn't seen an answer, so she at this point has decided to take things in her own hand, mm-hmm. and um, she kind of turns to another man to see if he can help with the situation, not realizing it's all kind of a setup for something else. Uh, I don't want to give away too much of the story. <laughs> you are um, of my
3: questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you mean... You are leading right into my questions. I was going to ask you next. I'm like, she just leading my questions. She's leading right <laughs> into another question. What is it about this man that Charisma get, gets into trouble with? What is it about him that beckons her, that calls out to her to make her even want to get involved with him?
1: Well, doctor, he's another doctor. He's actually a friend or was a friend of her husband. They were um, – Kind of like, and I'm saying I'm using the word friend loosely because they were acquaintances, but at the same time competitors. Um, they kind of had their own personal rivalry going on throughout their careers. But um, Dr. Uh, Miles Logan, he's he's like a ladies' man. He he he's he's the type of guy that's used to kind of getting any woman he wants because of his reputation and his appearances. But he's always kinda of had his eye on charisma. Ah. So, um you have this whole other dynamic going on in the story where charisma is is tired. Um she's reached a point of she's tired of waiting for change but not really seeking out the resources to have a change and she turns to this man and um things get much, much worse wow. before they get better. I'm not gonna lie, Secret Place is not like a, a light read in any stretch of the imagination. It has, you know, it, it really is dealing with some of those just raw emotions that can come out. But at the same time, just showcasing some light um, mixed in there, too, and yeah. some hope as well. But um, it, it
0: was not an easy story to write at all. Now, at she, all. she's attracted to this guy because she's feeling like she wants out of a situation, and she's known him. So that's, I, I guess that's what mm-hmm. attracts her. Can't. Can't she think about her daughter, April, and stop herself from making such a wrong move? yeah, and I should say she she's trying to go in there with with
1: innocent motives, but not you know just just not really being honest with herself with her intentions, and part of the story is just making her think about her mindset and how important it is um what you're thinking about, you know, as a a man or woman thinks, so they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as her daughter is concerned, you know, I've seen sometimes when people are in such really desperate situations, they're focused so much on their own hurt and their own pain that it becomes difficult for them to really even see what's going on right in front of their faces. I've seen that so many times.
0: And that includes, unfortunately, even what's going on with their children. Wow, I got to tell you, when I was researching this, I got a little upset with her. And I'm like, how could you – I have very strong maternal instincts. I mean, mm-hmm. tremendously strong. So I'm thinking, how could you not think about your daughter and pump the brakes? Mm-hmm. And, and so I guess you're saying she's so caught up. She just could – I I just found that, like,
3: fascinating.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. It's it's not an easy
1: thing, and it's not an admirable necessarily um trait that I even have with the character. But unfortunately that can be the reality sometimes when people are are so trapped in their their pain. They're so trapped in their situation and, and desperation that some of the basic thing of just being aware of those who you are meant to protect and you know, it it, it just becomes frazzled. And that's the danger too of not addressing a mental health problem in your household, because, again, it does affect everybody. So if it's not addressed, it's going to affect everybody.
0: Wow, yeah. I'm I'm so glad you keep saying that uh, if you have a child that you know something's wrong with, get them help as soon as possible, because one thing about the brain, it, 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 it becomes more adept, better and better at doing something the longer it does something. So if the brain is going down the wrong track... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't stop it, it's just going. It's like a car, or a train. It's going to go that much further down. And then when you do arrest it, it's going to be that much further of a journey back. Mm-hmm. That much further back. So it, I, I would say to anybody, you know, there's something wrong, it's that sooner we know it with, with 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 tumors and stuff, the sooner you can arrest it, the better. You know, the, the, putting it off is. You you could see somebody who just you know, like oh I had a cousin who talked to themselves or whatever or they were depressed and then now they can't even get out of bed right. years later. The, yeah.
1: It's a known fact. The more episodes of depression you have, the more episodes you're likely to keep having. Yeah. And it's important to not only um, get the help and treatment, but even if you're feeling better, to still stay in touch with those resources. To have a counselor that you're checking in with because. If someone is genuinely dealing with depression, and I'm not just talking about having a bad day, getting blue, but, you know, a a clinical level of depression, that thing can just smack them out the blue, you know, and not even have a good reason necessarily. You know, they just start feeling down and can't even put their finger on it. Um, So it's important to stay in touch with those resources that God has placed around you, whether it's a counselor or,
0: you know, whoever it is. Because it's not a it's not a slight on on a person. It's actually no, it it's something going on in the brain, and that's that's to understand that again. You talk about a tumor. You talk about something in some other part of the body that's happening. We know mm-hmm. it could cause something. So can if there's something going wrong in the brain. So it's no it's no hit on a person. You just want to right. love yourself and and get yourself the care you need. What have readers been telling you about Secret Place? You know, it's very interesting. Um, You know,
1: I've had people just tell me how much it really impacted them, Um, whether it meant just realizing that it was okay to get help, um, whether it was just kind of affirmation. Because even going back to what you're saying, if someone has a mental illness, that doesn't mean that they're a weak person. It doesn't mean that they're lacking faith. It just means that they have an illness. And, again, and I just want to stress that it is okay to get help. Yes. Um I I have a saying to, that if you're if you're seeking a psychiatrist or getting professional mental health it doesn't mean you're crazy it means you're committed to being the best person God created you to be. Yes, and at, it
0: means at the you end, love end of the yourself. day. Mm-hmm,
1: Cuz you know for you to stay on track on and, and on point on your purpose, on the things that you're supposed to be doing in life, it all starts with your with your mind. If you're not yeah. in a state where you can even think straight, or get out the bed or, you know, eat your meals or, you know, if you're hearing voices or, you know, obviously, Uh, you know, something of that nature, you need to do what needs to be done to help you so that you can, you know, help those around
0: you. Mm. Um, You're sharing some wonderful, wonderful information that needs to come out more and more and more to where we again see a mental health or a brain illness the same way we would see something wrong with your arm or your leg, we 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 need to get there. Uh, was it easier or more challenging for you while writing Secret Place, your second novel, than it was your first, Like Sheep Gone Astray? Which was easier for you to write, the first or the second book? Oh, the first one was by far the easiest.
3: No. no of all of
1: them because, oh number goodness. one, when I started writing it, I never even knew it would be published. It was just like fun You know that was you know secret place was absolutely just it was very emotionally draining. Um, There were things that I knew were going to happen in the book. Um, Like I said, there's an incident, um, actually a homicide that happens that puts them all in the news. I knew it was coming, and even when I got there, it you know it was just it was so draining. Wow. Right. I mean every chapter, everything, that that story weighed so heavy on me. And and also whenever I'm writing a story, I I've noticed this within my life, I tend to have all these outside factors that always happen at the same time. Wow. And, um secret place is no exception. I remember being halfway through the story and my computer completely broke down. And at the time that I was writing it I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have extra money to go get another right. computer, and my husband um, found this big old, you know, the real old-fashioned big IBM,
0: yeah, the big yeah. black
1: box ones. He found it at, like, a Goodwill, and I, I, I had to keep writing. Like, uh-huh. I, I couldn't even let my computer breaking stop me. Um, wow. I mean, that, that was just, like, one minor thing, but there were just so many challenges just to getting the story done and um, out there that...
3: Whew.
0: yeah. It was one of those things, like, I, I had to finish it, even though it was very hard to do. Now, how long after you wrote Secret Place did you sit down and start writing, Losing Hope? Oh, it was I took a break.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I
1: took a break. <laughs> yeah, and actually, to be honest with you, um, I, I've had a number of stories that I've started, and, you know, one day I'll finish, and I think I might have started working on something else, Losing Hope came, I I didn't even know that that was going to be the next story. It it was like a whole idea that came out the blue, and I started working on that. Um, I needed something a little bit lighter to work on after doing Secret Place.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I needed to go
1: back to something light, um, but at the same time, still something that dealt with issues of significance.
0: Okay. Um, Now, Now see, Anna St. James, I love your character's names. Uh, Sienna St. James is a main character in Losing Hope. Mm-hmm. She's a social worker. Right. I, I wonder, did you base any part of Sienna on yourself or your own real-life experiences as a therapist?
1: Um, well, you know, I'm a social worker by training, and um, the idea of Sienna St. James is actually um, Losing Hope is the beginning of a series. Um,
0: oh, okay. We call this
1: character. So okay. So that's book one of the series I'm working on. Um, actually, I just finished the manuscript for book two. I'm about to start book three. Um, okay. But um, she's a social worker, and as a s you know as a social worker as somebody who you know i've i've been working in like the human services field for a while um i number one all my stories are fiction definitely um i think that you know the reactions that she has sometimes um scenarios they they're ones that are familiar to me mm-hmm. um and as a social worker i I wanted to do a series. I'm, a, I'm like I said I, I like I like mystery, I like intrigue. I'm a big like Walter Mosley fan. Um okay. I like the idea of someone who she's not a detective but as a social worker she keeps coming into these cases that have elements of needing to be solved. And um so in losing hope she's working with um a, a client in, in therapeutic foster care who's a little off. She's about sixteen years old, and she she comes off as a little off to everybody. But this girl is claiming to have a sister, um, and there's no record of her having a sister. Um, so Sienna takes it upon herself to figure out, you know, is this really true? Um, the 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 double story, or you know, the the other thing going on with the stories that connects the series. Sienna has a lot going on in her personal life. Um, her back her backstory is um. She she had dropped out of college initially to follow this man that she just felt she was so in love with around the world. He was like someone like on a mission and like for social justice, like doing all these really positive things.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: he ends up leaving her. Um, you know, after they they get married, he ends up leaving her. You know, while she's pregnant. Um, so now she's a single mom. She's never had closure about this one man that she has really, you know, that she really loved, um, and now. She's getting word that um, he more or less is missing, um, and so she's she's got this whole thing going on with trying to figure out whatever happened with with her husband. While she's also trying to figure out what's going on with this client. So it's a lot of backstory. It's a lot of interweaving, and the theme of hope. And what does it really mean to lose hope and to find it
0: again? Wow, you 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 I'm listening to you. It's amazing how different authors' minds. Come up with different storylines. This girl's talking about a sister she has, but nobody has no record of her. Now, are C- S- Sienna and her globe trotting husband are they mm-hmm. still married at the start of the book? And what what why why do they travel so wide so widely? And as a social worker, I guess her husband's got a high paying job because social workers don't generally get paid that much. But uh, are oh no, what this they,
1: was. This was um she was on she was with her husband when she was like nineteen, twenty years old. This was when she was a younger woman. She okay. hasn't seen him in a very long time, so it's like her estranged husband. And, you know, the first line of the book is his ashes came with the morning mail. So she gets a package, um, claiming to be the ashes of her husband. She really has no understanding of what happened why it happened, and then um, the reality of, you know, is it really even what it looks like? Mm. So, um, you know, like I said, that becomes a major theme of the story of figuring out what exactly has happened or didn't happen to her husband. I yeah,
0: know i to me but... <laughs> Now, as we come down to like the last 10 minutes of today's show, Mm -hmm. can you, Sienna deals with a lot of fragile emotions and losing up. We talked about the 16-year-old client she's working with who keeps talking about a sister nobody has a record of. We know that her husband, she started a story. She sees his ashes in the mail, which in and of itself is very intriguing. Who sent these ashes? Why would someone do Mm -hmm. that? As a social worker, Sienna's a social worker. This is her field—the mental health and helping people. Why doesn't she use the tools she's learned in school and in her profession to get her own life on track? You know, part of part of the story, part of the series, really is—you
1: know—yes, she's dealing with these quote-unquote cases, but it's really a story, a series examining her. Um, I can tell you, as a social worker, because of the nature of the work you're doing. You're, you're intimately involved with people's most pressing problems, you constantly have to do self Um It's actually recommended that you have someone you're checking in because things can be very intense. And everybody, I don't care who you are, no one is immune to having issues going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Sienna, for Sienna, you know, a large part of the story is for her to really come to terms with her own life, um, with her own bosses, with her own angers and fears, um with all of those things. So it's a lot easier said than done. Um you know, it it's just, it's just a lot easier said than done and so that whole journey that she has to take for herself becomes part of the story. Um you know, even kind of motivates her to help with this client um and her supposedly missing sister.
0: Wow. Yeah, you know, just what we were we were saying earlier how our egos can blind us to things. We were talking about mm-hmm. writing. You think your writing is so great, and then somebody else doesn't agree, but and then we get offended. It's just it's amazing. And so you can help other people, but be blinded to your own issues. Yeah. and, and that, that is just uh, that, which is a blessing that there are we all have each other to you know in loving ways point out things and give each other advice and suggestions. Uh, that's a good thing, or else we, who knows how deep the blindness will go. But now you were on AOL's Black Voices, which is pretty—it's a large community. What was that experience like, and how did you land that feature?
1: Oh, that was with um, my first book, Like Sheep Gone Astray. Um, that was set up by the public I had, publicist I had at that time, and mm-hmm. it—you know—it was very interesting, just you know, doing an interview. Um just being able to talk about like she's gone astray and the messages within it um i've I've always enjoyed just being able to um to share about the stories i write and i I appreciate you and allowing me to um just be be here this morning just to talk about the messages of the book you know I love writing I love um having characters to kind of get a message out, and I appreciate you just allowing this platform to be able to talk about that.
0: And I and thank you and I, and I'm I'm appreciate you being here because it's the guests that help to make off the shelf. Um, now, can you tell our listeners about some of the women's devotionals you've contributed to?
1: Sure, I've um, had a couple. Um, well, actually, several devotionals that I've contributed to the A Cup of Comfort, um, inspirational devotional series. Um, one about um, uh, focusing on women of the Bible and just drawing out practical applications. I'm um, another one targeted towards um mothers. And um for me as a wife, as a as a woman, as a mom, I know there are a lot of issues that that we deal with just, you know, uniquely that, you know, come up with motherhood, come up with um trying to care for the people we love in our lives and you know, just as just like we were talking about with Sienna, just recognizing where mm-hmm. we might need help with, you know, where we're drawing our strength from. That's important to me as well too.
0: I think that's you. You do a lot of it's amazing. You you do a lot of work in the healing field, not only as a therapist, but also in your writing. It seems to be a common theme that, and in your devotionals, that's coming up. Repeatedly in, in your life, it's like something that you're focused on. We are to our listeners as we come down to the last seven minutes, we are speaking with Leslie Sherrod. I want to give her website out again, and that is L E S L I E J S H E R R O D dot com. Again, L E S L I E J S H E R R O D dot com. She has written Losing Hope Like Sheep Gone Astray secret place losing hope is a part of a series it's the first book in a series she's worked she just finished the second book and ready to start on the third book uh, in the series so you can look for that as you get to to know um sienna and some of the other characters in losing hope you can follow them uh, through their life's journeys now can you uh can you when will you can you let us know when you're the second installment or series of Losing Hope. When will that be on the market? Sure, that should be out
1: um, this fall. In the meantime, I'm actually about to start um, what I'm going to call Sienna Shorts, because again, I do love short stories, okay. and I really like this character. I want to start um, a series of short stories um, that I'm going to be putting on my website um, within the coming you know weeks or so. Um, so I really invite um, re- readers to Check out my website and come back to it because I, I I'm going to be adding some new things. Um, mm-hmm. You can also find me on, I have a Facebook page, which is my name, Leslie J. Sherrod, um, Twitter as well. And um, my books are available pretty much wherever books are sold. You can order it online at Walmart, um Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the the major retailers, and also if you want an autographed copy, you can um, order some directly through my website, and you know I would love to send out a book to you, signed just to you. So.
0: Leslie, just ask the two more of my questions. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: oh, I love it, Leslie. <laughs> if, if if somebody wanted to ask you to speak at an organization they're affiliated with, how can they contact you?
1: Oh, um, you can email me. You go to my website. I have my contact information there, but I have no problem putting my email out there. It's Leslie J. LeslieJSherard at gmail.com. Um, you give me email. And, you know, I, I love um, opportunities just to be able to speak, not so much just to put out my books, but really, um, you said something earlier, I really enjoy encouraging people. Um, I feel like that is something that I'm supposed to be doing to just really just encouraging people regardless of what circumstance they're going through, you know, just to put that encouragement out there. So um, yeah. whether it's church groups or conferences, anything like that.
0: Okay. So Leslie is open to, to, to speaking engagements for our off-the-shelf listeners. I know on our last show we had – Pat George Walker, and somebody was asking, how can I get her to come speak at a conference? So there are people who are interested in those types of things, but um, I generally ask our guests that because some people do want the author to speak at a writer's conference or some other type of event. But being that you're also a therapist, there's a lot of different things, uh, community organizations, uh, different angles that Leslie could speak from. That, that that may or may not involve her novels. I can see where you have a broad range of things that you could cover that people would benefit from as a speaker. So, again, you can go to her website, which is com and then her contact information is there. Now, besides being active on social networks, and we only have a few minutes left, what other steps have you found to be effective, Leslie, at getting the word out about your book?
1: Oh, you know, I've done book signings in the past, um, just word of mouth. Um, I'll, I'll send out excerpts of my books to, like, beauty salons. Or, you know, just any place where you can find readers um, is just really important. And just really finding connections. Um, networking is important as well. Um, staying in touch with communities of writers.
0: Um, all of those things are really key. Now you said you about the A R black voices. You had a publicist that you worked through. Do you still have a publicist? And would you recommend that a writers here for off the shelf listeners who are writers themselves? Would you recommend that they get a publicist?
1: I think. Well, um, at the time that I had the publicist, that was actually provided through the publisher I was with at that time. Okay. Right now I don't. I don't have one. Although. Um, Honestly you could probably help just because I feel like I'm balancing so much right now that right. I'm having a hard time keeping up. So mm-hmm. I think in terms of um answering that for other people, you really have to look at your own skill set, your own time and commitments and see if that's something that you need. Um, you know, if you know, some people really have that type of personality where they can just they could sell an ant, you
0: know. Right. So you you really have to look at just, <laughs> um, just your, your <laughs> Oh, you funny. <laughs> yeah, and and see, maybe you do need a publicist because you're just not getting. A, you know, even if you do send your press releases, they're not getting attraction as somebody else right. can. And sometimes we don't know how to really speak about ourselves and our own works in a way that can attract yeah. other. The way somebody who's not they didn't write the material, they might be able to really get out there and push it a lot better than we could that's a, the very interesting points that you brought up thanks for sharing them as we as we again are wrapping up another fabulous off-the-shelf show we want to thank leslie sherrett for being here with us today please go check out her books and her website com and her books losing hope like Sheep gone astray and secret place her name is spelled l-e-s-l-i-e-s-h-e-r-r-o-d and put a J in the middle of com for her website. Please go and support this fabulous author. She is a woman who is a multifaceted woman doing so much when it comes to community and helping those of us to heal and, and to move forward in our lives. So we thank her for what she's doing and the subjects that she covers in her books. Truly, truly appreciate that. want to thank all of you off-the-shelf listeners for being here with us uh, today on the 19th. Again, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I hope you have a fabulous, if you're off on Monday, I hope you have a fabulous weekend and do something uh, of service to the to the community as Dr. King did. Uh, please tell your family, your friends, book lovers, folks everywhere to tune in to Off the Shelf on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock our, our listenership is growing, and we love to have that just thousands and millions of folks tuning in to Off the Shelf on Saturdays at 11 o'clock on the, in the morning. So please spread the word, spread the word, spread the word. You can dial in via phone. You can log in through the Internet. You can go into our chat room. There's so many ways to tune in to Off the Shelf. Thank so much, Leslie. We appreciate you. Please go get a copy of her books and support my new book, Love, Pour Over Me. As I always tell you, you are so incredibly valued. You are amazing. You are so truly, truly blessed. You are awesome. Go and create a fabulous day for yourself. Bye for now. Let's see i I shoot you an email. Thank you. I'm
3: going to go. i mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: Okay, just give me a minute,
3: please. <laughs> oh, is he?
2: Don't worry, Steve. Is your name again? Yeah.
0: That sounds like some of her, Ollie.
2: Okay, just
3: get, get around, please. Okay, I know. I'm uh, all right. <laughs> all
2: right,
0: come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I'm as soon as I put it, I'm
0: just putting these articles I just put up. I'm just hitting social media things, and I'm walking out the door.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Okay.